Well, Father, we just thank you for another opportunity to hear from you. We thank you that your heart is beating with passion and desire and excitement over what you are doing in our lives right now and what you are leading us into. You are a perfect father, a good, good dad. And good, every good and perfect gift comes from you. And you have all kinds of surprises up your sleeve for us. You are trying to convince us, Dad, of just how good you actually are. You are reframing our relationship with goodness in general. <laughs> God, you are helping us like expand our ability to receive from you and, and believe the gospel. Believe that it is finished. Believe that all things are ours. Believe that as Jesus is, so are we in this world. You are, you are working for us to believe that you have lavished us with every heavenly gift in the heavenly realms. That, that you have blessed us. In the other translation it says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. You have blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. You have, you're trying, you're getting us to believe, God, that we really are seated in heavenly places inside of Christ. You are, you are convincing us, Holy Spirit. That's what you're doing. You are, you're not, you're not just, you're not convicting us of what we're doing wrong. You're convicting us of what Jesus did right. You're, you're convicting us of our true identity. You are, you are convincing us that we are who the Father says we are. And we can do the same things that Jesus did and even greater things because Jesus is alive in us. And he is still doing miracles. <laughs> and so, Father, we just are going to partner with your goodness tonight. We're going to partner with what you're doing and what you're saying. And we're going to just, we're going to dig in your sleeve a little bit. We're going to get up there and see what kind of surprises you might have for us. And I thank you, Father, that this is a supernatural podcast and that you speak to every one of your kids personally. Even though I'm just talking, you know, it might seem to just one person. I thank you that you know everything about every listener. You know the number of hairs on their head. You know everything they've ever experienced, every lie they've ever believed, every false concept of who they think they are. You know what they are standing for right now in their lives, God. The promises that you are asking them to embrace and lay hold of. God, you know why they're on the planet, what they're called to do. You know the relationships in their lives. You know the balance on their bank account. You know the bills they got to pay. You know the health issues they're facing, the, the strife that's going on in their family, the, the kids, the relationships that they have with their kids and the destinies on their children. You know every single thing about every listener. And you are working things together for good for each of us, God. You are, you are causing us to triumph in every circumstance, in every situation, God. There is nothing that is impossible for you. And so, God, we're just going to partner with that. And I say, you know what, just, just propel us tonight. I just declare, Lord, that this, this message is like a catapult 
that just gets us over the, the wall that's blocking us or causes us that we're going to have some supernatural acceleration and break through whatever barrier might be trying to hold us back. I just declare, God, that this is a message that is a word in due season for every listener. And I get that. That's a tall order. But you're, you know what? You can do it, Dad. Holy Spirit, you feel free to talk. You feel free to talk. Even as I'm talking, I just, I just declare that every word is multidimensional. And that it's interdimensional, that the words are spirit and they are life and they are being interpreted by the Holy Spirit. And so I just thank you in advance, God, for using this podcast and using me, little old me, a little imperfect me, God, to, to be a mouthpiece for you tonight. And so I just receive what you want to say, how you want to say it, and I give you all the glory for it because you are deserving of it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you've been listening the last several weeks, you know that I've been piggybacking off of the word that God gave us for 2019, uh, which is really a word about making 2019 the best year ever. And uh, I've really kind of been teaching all around that this whole year. And I may just, who knows, this may be a new trend for me, uh, just to hear God at the beginning of the year and just help people focus on that all year long. Because I'll tell you, you know, at the, at, the, at the beginning of the year, we're all hyped up, aren't we, about what God's saying for the new year. And then, you know, it gets to be about, you know, a few months into it. And it's like we're, we're looking for a new word. <laughs> we already forgot that God already said what he was going to be doing this year. So I feel like my job this year is to really help us stay on track. And, and, and as far off of that word as we may get or forget or whatever, I'm going to kind of continue to just lead us back to this. And so let me start by just kind of sharing the gist of the word. I'm not going to go back and read the whole thing. It's long and all of that. It's, it's posted on my Facebook page and uh, in our, our group for the book, which is called The Path to Purpose. If you're not a part of that group, you can uh, you can search for it on, on Facebook. It's called The Path to Purpose with Shalise, and it's posted in there, and you can invite to be invite yourself to be a part of that group. But it, it's in ge- it, the general feel of the word is something like this. It says, if you want 2019 to be the best year of your life, life here's what you need to do. Listen to my voice. Make living out of your true identity, listening to my instructions, and abiding in the vine, your number one priority for the year. I'm going to say it again. Listen to my voice. Make living out of your new identity, following my instructions, and abiding in the vine, your number one priority this year. And I'm going to just say this, when I, when I heard the phrase, you know, living out of your true identity, the whole word, which is really awesome actually, is all about the fact that, you know what, intellectually knowing your new identity, intellectually knowing who you are in Christ, and then living out of that identity are two different things. Uh, it's almost like we have to d- develop a new habit of being who we really are. And we need to break the habit of being the old man. We need to break the habit of being, an, a, instead of being a new creature, right? We need to, we need to form a, a habit, a new habit of being a new creation in Christ. And we need to break the old habit of being the old creature because the old creature is all we've lived with for most of our lives. And so we, we tend to look at ourselves as separated from God, as not abiding in the vine. And we tend to look at ourselves as 
someone who is separate from the Godhead. When the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus, who dwells in you. You are one with the King of Kings. You are one with the Father of the universe. You are one with the Ancient of Days. Like, I mean, this whole union, this whole oneness thing has got to become a habit in our lives. And so I'm not going to specifically teach on on that concept tonight, but I am, I'll probably teach all around it because that seems like all my messages basically teach on that. But I, I do want to jump off into a scripture that God has been speaking to us for the last several weeks and keep keep going deeper with this particular scripture. And it's one of my favorites. I talk about it. Uh, I've talked about it over the last couple of weeks, how I'm a big believer and I encourage you to do this too. Uh, you know what? To really partner with God on the scripture that he is asking you to eat. Uh, and what I mean by that is a lot of times we listen to so many messages. You know, we've got more messages, more, you know, YouTube, you know, Bethel streams their stuff. I mean, we've got church online 24-7, God TV, you know, just a million things. That It's like, you know, we're, we're living in the buffet of of Christian teaching these days. You know, it's not like it was, I don't even know, five, ten years ago where you actually had to, you know, have cable or turn on your television or be home or be at a conference or go to actually physical church or something. I mean, we have just, we've progressed to the point where you can just, I mean, you can just get fat on all the stuff you're eating. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you are healthy spiritually. You know, just because you're eating doesn't mean you're healthy. And I think one of the things that that we forget is that the goal here, and I want to say it this way, and I'm going to come clean it up, but the goal here is transformation. The goal here is to be conformed to the image of Jesus, to, to, be, uh, to actually have the fruit of the spirit produced in our lives, not to just be able to recite scriptures like a parrot, or we have all these Christian disciplines in our lives, or we're tithers, we're doing this Bible study, then we're going over here and we got all these busy activities. You know, we've, we've just kind of become a Christian version of ourselves rather than a manifestation of Jesus wearing your skin. And that is the goal. It's not really a transformation. That's why I said I'd come back and clean it up. It's really a transfiguration. It's really letting the new birth be transparently seen in you. It's really your marriage between your spirit and the spirit of God, which is completely united, intertwined. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. It's allowing this union, this new creation, which is a you plus Jesus. We had a, I'll, I'll do a little rabbit trail here, but it's letting that be seen through you. It's letting that be visible through you. Uh, we had an Emerge graduation this last week, and <laughs> it was awesome because when we go through answering, you know, the Emerge, what we call the five big questions of life, you know, who is God, who am I, why am I here, where am I headed, and how do I get there? You know, one of the things I'm always listening for in our students is, and we, we present those at graduation here at, here at Woodland Park. It's a really powerful thing. But one of the things I'm always listening to, listening for as we're formulating those answers is I'm looking for... Uh, Coming after the place is the way that you're communicating why you're here on the planet or, or who you are, for example, in a, in a way that could be interpreted as that you are separate or independent from God. You know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to add things on like, 
by letting the Father do the work in me or through my union with Jesus. Like I'm always looking at whatever the answer is, that there is the concept of oneness with God communicated in it. And so one of the things we kind of were joking around this week is one of our graduates is named Nancy. And so somehow we got on this concept of, you know, Bradgelina, which if you don't know who Bradgelina is, it's not even really a current couple because they're no longer married. But that is the name that was given to the couple that, you know, Brad Pitt married Angelina Jolie. And so they had a nickname called Bradgelina. And honestly, it's an incredible picture of what union is. Because you are no longer your name, uh, just your name. Your identity is just not your name, right? And so we had a graduate named Nancy, and we started calling her Jancy, right? Because she's Jesus and Nancy and this new union or whatever. So the rest of, you know, so for the three days, we kept calling her Jancy. And, you know, then we had another student who was defining God. And it was kind of funny because it was, her name was Terry. And we were like, as she was saying, who is God? You know, the first way we explained it, I mean, I I just got it clear as a bell. I said, who is God? Well, it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and Terry. And oh my goodness, what? We were like, what? She ended up rewording it a little bit so that it was like, it's the Father, Son, Holy Spirit who have invited me into their intimate circle. So it was something that sounded, you know, way better than... Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and Terry. And, but let me, let me say this. What I, what I said something that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat on the podcast tonight because I said something to Terry. I said, Terry, I believe the reason the Lord had me phrase it that way is because it really hits that false humility that gets programmed into us as Christians. And what do I mean by that false humility? That it feels arrogant and prideful to put us up there with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And truthfully... That's exactly what the cross has done. Except it's even a little bigger than that in the sense that you're in the center there. Because, you know, when they're three and one, they're actually, now they're, they're four and one. It's the Holy, it's the Trinity and you, the Holy Trinity and you. Because it's, it's a mystery. And here's the mystery that was hidden from the ages. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That you are in Christ. And guess what? The Father is in him and the Holy Spirit is in him. This is a, this is a mystery. And marriage is a beautiful picture of it because it's the two becoming one. But truthfully, if you really want to take it even further, we're the body of Christ. So we're members of one another. So we are even in union. So it's not just the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and Terry. It's the Father, Son, Holy Spirit and Terry and John and Michael and Sarah and Mary and, and, you know, Petunia. It's everybody. It's everyone. You know, so, but, but we, we're, we shy back from that. We shy back from that. And that is a, That's an example of you and I living out of our wrong identity. That's you and I. When we can't say that and and take that righteousness and that perfection as our own, that shows us that we got some work to do because we still believe subconsciously that we're someone we're not. We are still, and in that word I gave at the beginning of the year, I said, the Lord said it this way. He said, it's just a memory of who you've experienced yourself to be over the course of your lifetime. And so we have this identity that we think is us that is a memory of who we've experienced ourselves to be. And so mind renewal is all about creating new, (laughs) a new experience and new memories, if you will, of who you really are. And that's why encounters are so important. That's why, you know, I'm really coming back to my main point was it's not the quantity of, of, of scripture that you know. It's, it's really the quality of, of scripture that you have experienced, that you have experienced as true for you. 
Like I, and when I say experienced it, meaning you're being the manifestation of that. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? So that was a really long introduction. I don't know why I always say it's a long introduction because it's always a long introduction. But anyway, that's a habit, I guess. At this point, I want to take us into the scripture that I've really been focusing on for the last several um, weeks. And it's from John 5.30 in the voice translation. Uh, And I'm obsessed with this scripture. I, I, I said, I don't know what week it was, that this is probably one of my top five. And my top five are, you know, I could give several of those, but I teach, I feel like sometimes I teach on the same scriptures. But you know what? Paul said this. Paul said, it is not, it's not laborious for me to say the same things that get to you over and over again. And, and that's kind of, I feel like sometimes I, I am repeating myself over and over again, but until we're getting it, until we're living it, until the body of Christ is actually transfigured, I have a pretty good good idea and a pretty good sense that I'm probably going to be saying it and saying it and saying it a whole lot more because my assignment is to see the body of Christ transfigured. My assignment is to see the face of Christianity transfigured and and the face of Jesus transformed so that the world can actually see and, and, and feel what Jesus is actually like. And we won't we will not uh, fulfill that assignment until we are conformed to the image of Jesus, which ultimately is unconditional love, which ultimately is all the fruit of the Spirit. It's all these things that none of us can be in and of ourselves. We're not trying to be good. We're not trying to be a better version of ourselves, the best self we can be. No, we're trying to be one with Jesus Christ. And we're not even trying to do that. We're just actually saying, okay, that's what's real. We're just agreeing like, oh, that's that's what happened? Okay. You know, it's not a try, it's a awake and be. So here's the scripture in John 5.30, the voice translation. And I'm, I'm reading this one because I really feel like this is, there's lots, a lot of my favorite scriptures um, revolve around what union actually looks like practically. How did Jesus live in union with the Father? How did he fulfill the, the call of God on his life? through union with the Father, through being one with the Father? How did he do all these crazy miracles and live supernaturally and walk on water and still the storm and turn the water into wine and cause the you know blind man to see and the lame man to walk and the demoniac that you know is cutting himself with stones get completely delivered? How did he do how did he bring heaven to earth? How did he live above the curse? How did he feed the multitude and and curse a fig tree and and never have to, to, to think about lack. How did he live from a place of abundance and just constantly uh, manifest the Father, who the Father was? He's like, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How did he conform? How was he conformed to his true identity? How was he transfigured so that if you saw him, you saw the Father? You know, how, how did that happen in Jesus' life? And so John 5.30 is a really good example of this. And here's what it says. And Je- this is how Jesus lived. He said, in the voice translation, I have never, I have not ever acted and will not in the future act on my own. I listen to the directions of the one who sent me and I act on these divine instructions. For this reason, what reason? He doesn't act on his own and he listens to the directions. It says, for this reason, my judgment is always fair and never self-serving. I'm committed to pursuing God's agenda and not my own. I think this is so powerful. 
I think it's just such an incredible um, scripture that talks about the way you and I are called to live. We are called to live dependent upon God. We are called to live in continual communion and constant fellowship with the Lord. We're not supposed to be groping around in the dark, not understanding the will of God. You know, and then we're not supposed to just take, you know, principles out of the Bible and then just go follow really good principles, moral principles. Like, okay, this is what we're supposed to do. Like, I got a, a rule list here and I'm supposed to go follow the rules. No, this is a living vine. This is a living relationship. And we are not following principles. We are following a person. We are following the spirit of the living God. And I said this last week, but it's worth repeating again, that, you know, it doesn't say all those who were led by the Bible, these are the sons of God. I mean, that's worth saying. I mean, that almost sounds, doesn't it almost like sound offensive? Like when you hear it at first, like, doesn't it almost say, oh, Shalice, are you de- devaluing the word of God? Are you, are you devaluing the scripture? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm putting the value on the personhood of God above the written word of God. And, you know, the scriptures are, are wonderful instruction and wonderful, you know, for why? Because they're alive. You know, it's the, the, the Bible is not meant to be just a, 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 you know, a black and white book that we read like we read the dictionary or like we go read, you know, Wikipedia. Uh, it's meant to be a book. It's alive. The word of God is alive. And that means that it's Holy Spirit breathed. And I'm telling you, we can read the same. If we just took one scripture for the rest of our lives and we only had one scripture, I'll tell you what, we would never run out of revelation. Like that is a revelation. That is a revelation. We are looking, we, the Bible is our, you know, you had, it's your instruction book. Well, no, it's not your instruction book. It is your encounter with God. It is, it's a book that is meant to help you experience God. And that when you're, it's just like when I, when I prayed today, I said, well, I'm talking, Holy Spirit, you talk. Right? So when the goal is when you're reading the word, you're being, you're being led by the Holy Spirit. And it's not just while you're reading the word. The goal is that you're led by the Holy Spirit in everything. That you are truly free. You are free. You are free. You are free to follow. You're not under the law. You're under grace. You are free to follow the instruction of the Holy Spirit. And I think that was what really got the, the Pharisees all riled up. Because they really just couldn't put, you know, Jesus just as a rule breaker. And here he was fulfilling the law and the prophets by breaking the rules. So I'm not quite even, I can't even wrap my head around that fully in the sense that he fulfilled the law, but yet he broke it. But the point I'm saying here is, is that this is how Jesus lived. He says here, I have never acted on my own, nor will I ever act on my own. I I listen to the directions of the one who sent me, the divine instructions. And so God has instructions. God has instructions for us. The Holy Spirit has revelation, revealed knowledge, revealed information to us. And we, if we are going to mature, if we are going to mature, we're going to have to, we're going to have to become immature. And what I mean by that is we've got to become dependent. I was kind of joking around at graduation this week. And I said, you know, the more mature I get, I said, at this point, I'm just wearing depends. You know, I got my diapers on, my big girl diapers on, because that really is what what it looks like. I know that's a funny picture, but we are, you know, we're becoming dependent on more and more dependent. And I loved the way, um, you know, Jesus said, it's because of the way I'm not acting on my own that my judgment is right. 
you know? And then he said, I'm pursuing God's agenda. Now, one of the things I want to, I want to talk about a little bit tonight, I felt like was on the father's heart and I'm not, I'm not quite sure how he's going to, I don't know, bring this all together, but I want to go to another scripture that I really felt like he highlighted um, tonight. And uh, this is a scripture that we're familiar with in First Thessalonians, it's in 524. And it's a really simple scripture. It just says the one in the NIV translation, it says the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Let me read in a couple of other translations. Uh, the New Living Translation, <clears throat> translation says God will make this happen. For he who calls you is faithful. English Standard Version says, he who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. Okay, so I want to I wanna talk about this phrase that kind of describes John 5.30 another way. And it, it ties back to um, a scripture that Jesus talked about a lot. Um, and I said this, it's in John... Um, John 14, it's in, let me just, let me pull it up here. And it's this phrase that the Father in me does the work. The Father in me does the work. And and here it is in John 14, 10, okay? It says, um, well, also, well, let me just come here. Let's read this to you. John uh, 14, 10 says this, Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Okay, I'm going to say it again. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. And so this scripture, let me get a drink here. So in this scripture, this is another description of how Jesus was operating here. John 5.30 in another translation just says, you know, of my own self, I can do nothing. It's another way of saying, I don't do anything. I don't act on my own in all of this. But here in John 14, he's saying, don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me? Well, I could say the same thing about you. I could say, don't you believe that the Father is in you? And that you are in the Father? Don't you believe that you are in Christ Jesus and that Christ Jesus is in you? But see, we haven't focused enough on learning how to allow the Spirit of God to be in control. I'm going to say that again. We haven't, we haven't been taught and we haven't learned how to let the Spirit of God be in control. Right? In fact, we're actually kind of taught that, you know, that it's our job to be responsible. It's our job to get it done. Get her done. Get her done. Come, you know, I don't want excuses. Get her done. Right? And the truth is the father wants to do the work. The father, that's what, that's what the picture of the abiding in the vine is. It's a vine attached to, uh, it's a, you know, a branch attached to the trunk. And, you know, it's, it's, it's the fruits coming through the vine. So the, this is about the, wa- the Father working through you. I mean, and I'll tell you, when you really get a lens for oneness, you will not read any scripture the same again. I was listening to a sermon this morning about 
love and walking in love and, and, you know, just, I don't know, just being a loving person. And I'll tell you, you can read these scriptures and you can, man, you can take that on as something like, man, I am, I'm, I was a jerk. I, I got mad at the guy that cut me off. I, I'm not walking in love. I'm just a jerk, right? I'm just a real mess here. But the truth is those scriptures are not there to convict you that you're supposed to be something you're not. Like they're not there to say, would you start being loving? You know what? Stop acting like a jerk and be loving already. Like that is not the lens through which we read the New Testament. Let me read the scripture to you. I don't know if I actually wrote all of it down, so I might have to look it up here. But the scriptures were from Colossians, and it was Colossians chapter um, 3, verse um, 12 and 13. And so I did write it down. I may have a little bit, a little bit. Um, what am I trying to say, like not word for word here, but you'll get the gist. It says, holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And then 13 says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as you have been forgiven. So, you know, you if you do not have a union lens to read this through, and you don't think of like the scripture where Jesus was just saying, do you not believe that the Father is in me and that I am in the Father? <laughs> and that it is the Father in me that does the work? So this is not a command for you go, to go be compassionate and to go be kind and go be humility, be full of humility and be gentle and be patient. That is not what it's saying. It's saying clothe yourself with these things. And the truth is, you're clothing yourself with Jesus. You're putting on Christ. Your life is hidden inside of Christ. You live and move and have your being inside of God. So this is an admoni- this is really an admin, Admon, admonition, admonition, I can't speak here. Thank goodness I record this live. That, um, I get some coaching here. Uh, but th- you know, it's really telling us to put on Jesus. He is our clothing. We're wearing Jesus. We are wearing God. Okay? We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is where we're, we're God's house. And we're inside of God's house. So we live and dwell inside of God. So this is not, you know, like you're going to go be compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, and patient apart from Jesus. You're going to be a good person. Okay, you're going to be a good person. And then you're going to forgive because you're a good person. You're going to do this because it's not even your love. It's not even your kindness. It's not even your gentleness. It's not even your patience. So it's a whole new way of, like, how do I live like this? Well, you live like this because you're, you're, you're learning to be aware of God. You're learning to not act on your own. You're learning of your own self. You can do nothing. You're learning to stay connected to the vine. This is just fun. This is just practicing the presence. This is just staying aware of Jesus. This is just constant communion. And I said this, I, I kind of had some nuggets here, I guess, at graduation this week, but it was really powerful. I said, every accusation that you have against yourself or every accusation that the enemy comes at you with has to first be an accusation that you, there is a you apart from God. He, the accusation is always about your separated self. Your accusation is always about the actions that you are doing outside of being connected to the vine. And the truth is, the reason that there's no condemnation for them that are in Christ in Romans 8.1, in another translation it says there's no guilty verdict for them that are in Christ Jesus, that this is what it means. It means that when you are in Christ, which you are whether you're aware of it or not, 
You are one with God whether you are perceiving your union or you're not perceiving it. This is a perpetual state of a believer. This is not something that you... Now, granted, you won't always experience it if you're not aware of it, but it doesn't shift based upon your awareness. It's like God is who God is whether you like it or not. You know, God is who he is whether you're in agreement with who he is or not. He doesn't need your agreement to be God. And guess what? The gospel doesn't need your agreement to be true. It's now granted you won't experience it unless you embrace it and and believe it, but it doesn't change the fact of it. And so what I'm saying is, is that this is, instead of out there, you know, beating yourself up because you weren't loving or you weren't kind or you weren't humble or you weren't gentle or you weren't patient, instead, let's, let's put on Jesus. Let's put on Jesus and be like, whoa, I, I, I'm naked. I forgot to put on Jesus. I, I'm, I'm running around naked. I, I forgot to put on clothes. Oh, I'm exposed out here, right? So you're like, oh, oh, how silly of me. And you know what? You just repent. You just say, hey, you know, I, you own it. You apologize to whoever it needs to be apologized to, but it doesn't change your identity. It doesn't, your behavior cannot create your identity and your behavior cannot change your identity, right? It can only manifest what identity you're believing that you have. Uh, your behavior is just a manifestation of what you believe. And so, Boy, that's a good thing, right? That's a good thing. Like if you're if you're if you're abiding in Christ, well, then you're wearing those things. And I just think that Jesus, if anything, if anything that he was perfect at, he was perfect at being one with the Father. He was perfectly following the leader. He was abiding in the Father, and so. I'm going to read John 14, 10 again. He says, don't you believe that I'm in the Father and that the Father's in me? Here's what he said. The words that I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who's doing the work. So I want to come back to this, you know, scripture that I talked about earlier, uh, which is that he is faithful. He is faithful. We may be faithless, but God is faithful. And it says he will perform it. He is faithful who called you. And he will do it. And so what I want to encourage you guys even tonight to do is to stop trying to do it. I, I just, what if we just stopped trying to be good? What if we just tr- start, stopped trying to do the father's job? What if we stopped trying to work, do the work and let, and let the father do the work? Cause I can tell you this. It's exhausting to try to do something that only God can do. It's exhausting to try to be something that you already are. And so it's really about getting your hands off the wheel. It's really about you you are the vehicle here that Jesus is driving, that Jesus is riding in. You are his house. You are his body. You're taking the head where he wants to go. And so why don't you let the head drive? Why don't you let why don't you let the head control your, you know, the body? And, and that means that you've got to recognize when we're trying to control it. You know when you're trying to control it? When you're in strife with somebody. When you're arguing with somebody. You're, you're trying to control it when you're worried. You're trying to control it when your emotions will kind of even give you a clue about whether you are trying to be in the driver's seat or taking some kind of false responsibility. And so I, I, the one thing I, as I wrap up a little bit, I'm not going to go super long tonight, but 
one of the things I felt like the Lord was saying, I think this is one of the reasons why it is so on my heart and such a huge part of what I do is to, uh, two things, really help people hear God on demand. Meaning, I said this last week, you say, hey, God, he's like, what's up, right? But also, confidently learn how to operate in the prophetic. Uh, you know, the prophetic has got a bad rap in a lot of circles, but, you know, if you took, if you called it something else besides the prophetic, because that means a whole lot to a whole lot of people, and you just said, you're literally just living the way Jesus did. You're just letting the Father do the work. And in order to do that, you need to know his instructions. So you're just, you're, you're living with, you're just seeing what God is doing and you're hearing what God is saying. I mean, that's what the prophetic is. It's just living with your spiritual senses are working. That's, to me, another way of describing what the prophetic is. It's just that I'm being led by my spiritual senses and my physical instead of my physical senses. So I'm not... I'm not being, I'm not following what the physical realm is presenting to me. I'm following what the spiritual, the unseen realm is, is communicating to me. And when you are, when you have enlightened eyes and you hear the voice of God and and you really, I mean, you can, you can, it's the place that ultimately when you, when you really get this union thing down or when you really experience it, I should say, it's not that you're doing it perfectly. So you've just experienced it. You come to a place where even your prayer is different. Uh, meaning you are praying what you're seeing. You are praying what you're hearing. You are, you are spirit-led in your prayers. You are spirit-led in the words that you're releasing and speaking. I mean, I, I get a, you know, a very, very little inkling of what God wants to speak on these podcasts. You know, granted, when I first started teaching and first started preaching, you know how I started out? I started out praying in the Spirit and interpreting it. When I say that, people actually think that's advanced Christianity. When I say that, they're like, what? Like, you really, you can interpret tongues? I'm like, anyone can interpret tongues. Can you hear your own thoughts? Okay, well, then you can interpret tongues. You have the equipment. You may not have the experience. You may not have the confidence. You may not have the faith. You may not have the training to do it. But it's not difficult. It is, it is very, it's as simple as hearing your own thoughts and just believing that it's God. And praying in the Spirit and interpreting is literally, you know, you, you pray in tongues and then you, you just start to write what you're, what, what comes into your mind. And it's not so much that it's a word, it's not, you're not translating. We're not going from Spanish to English or going from French to, you know, Dutch or something. So we're not translating language to language. We're interpreting. It's more like a dream. You're getting the, you're getting the, uh, the gist of what the message that you're speaking is about. And, you know, that's how I learned to teach and preach. Because I, at that point, I was like, uh, I was so, um, what would I want to say? I, I was insecure. I was scared that I was going to, you know, it's not going to be powerful. Or it's not going to say any, you know, be something for someone. But it's, but honestly, it was an incredible way to hear from God. Because it really, I knew that those messages were from the Lord. And then, of course, over time, you know, you grow and you develop sermons and outlines. And, I mean, I've done a whole, you know, probably done it every which way but sideways. But I remember one time having a dream. And in the dream, I was preaching prophetically, meaning I was just hearing had impressions of where to go. I would see something in the spirit. I mean, I'd get a picture of something. I'm very visual. And I would get a picture of something that I would begin to talk about that. And Anyway, in the dream, there was a, a, 
some other, like, it seems like really well taught uh, pastors or leaders of some kind. I mean, these seem like theologian kind of people, like, that would intimidate me. And in the dream, I'm thinking, you know, they, they wanted to talk to me about my sermon. And I was thinking, oh, gosh, I'm in trouble. Like, I didn't, you know, I, I, I did it wrong. But when I sat down to talk with them in the dream, they wanted to know how I did that. They wanted to, they wanted to know how I was teaching like kind of revelation. And what came out of my mouth in the dream was, well, that's how Jesus did it. And then I woke up. And I really had to sit with that for a second because it never occurred to me that all of the parables and all of the Sermon on the Mount and all the things that Jesus taught, he was doing the same way I was teaching in that dream, which is just honestly letting the Father speak through him and just going where the Holy Spirit was leading him. But, but I guess my point with this is that that is what pro- living prophetically is. Jesus is just describing a prophetic lifestyle. And a lot of times, even if you had prophetic training, we think prophecy is just for other people, like we're going to sit down and prophesy over someone. And honestly, the reason why that's so powerful and why it's such a, I mean, we, we spent time prophesying over each other this weekend, you know, this over graduation and stuff. Why? Because it is one of the best ways to practice abiding in the vine and letting the Father do the work through you. You're just in a really dependent place when you're just like, oh, what do you have for this person, God? And then, oh, you know what? We had a really funny word, this this graduation about, you know, these puppies in a basket and how excited, you know, excited you are to get a puppy. And this one particular graduate was just going to be like that, like just giving out and that kind of incredible joy to people. And the picture was this, you know, basket of puppies that never, he's like, you give one puppy away and another one pops in the basket. It was like a, it was literally like an inexhaustible puppy basket. And, you know, and you think to my, you think to yourself like, that is a, that's a little strange, but is it? It's the most incredible picture. And then is the, the, you know, the person that was prophesying that just began to interpret that. And I'm sharing that to say it's it's an incredible way to learn how to be dependent on the God. And, and so for even us, you know, people that know how to prophesy, how often are you living out of that flow? Right? I mean, I train people all over the place, you know, to be on prophetic teams and to prophesy on demand and to hear God. But then, the, you know, it's kind of like if I'm journaling, I'm doing that. Or if I'm in prayer, if I'm in worship, I'm doing that. And then, you know, the rest of the day, we're just off on our own. You know, we got it. We got it. Thanks, Jesus. We'll check in later. You know, and, and honestly, it is a lifestyle. And if we will learn to stay connected and hear instructions and follow instructions and we, we'll stay clothed with Jesus, guess what? He will do it. You are instruction by instruction by instruction by instruction going to fulfill your destiny. You are going to manifest the fullness of who God has created you to be by allowing that to be manifested through you. Because who you've been created to be is Jancy. Right? Right? It's like Bradgelina, Jesus and Nancy. It's Jancy. You whatever your name is, right? I'm Jalice. Right? You can just combine your name with Jesus and that's how it's going to happen. And so it's my job to come after every root, every place in your life where you are still deceived that there is a you apart from Jesus. That is a deception. I'm just going to call it what it is. It is a deception. A nicer way of saying it is it's an illusion. But it is, it is subtle 
and it is a, a, an illusion. And there is no independent you. Independence is pride. Okay, it's not humble to you know to put yourself in another category than oneness with God. That is not humility. That is stupidity. And it's not arrogant to say that the Father and I are one. It's not arrogant to say those things. That is a declaration of agreement with God. You're not saying that you're God apart from God. You're saying that you're one with God, that God has come and you are now his habitation. And it is false humility. I will tell you, the devil works through, through false humility probably as much or more than he works through pride. Because honestly, it's a manifestation of pride. False humility is just, it, that is pride. It is pride to say, oh, I'm just this, I'm just this. No, you're not. No, you're not just that. Even though it sounds like you're self-depreciating yourself and you're, you know, like I'm being all humble about myself. I don't want to build myself and be arrogant. You're only going to be arrogant if you think that, that you're that apart from Jesus. If you think you're holy apart from Jesus or you think you're good apart from Jesus or you think that you're smart or intelligent or whatever, whatever worldly, you know, thing that you've gotten, you know, Paul said, all that I count as dumb compared to the excellency of knowing Christ Jesus. And so you are not, you are not, that's what arrogance is. But it's just as prideful to, to think poorly of yourself. We're not to think more highly of ourselves, but we're also not to think more lowly of ourselves. We're supposed to honestly be so Jesus-centered and so righteousness-conscious that we don't even have time to be thinking about our sin and what's wrong with us. That whole preoccupation with what's wrong with us is a waste of our time, and it is also a demonic deception. And it gets us focused on the fall and an identity. I mean, again, I'm not saying that you don't need to, you know, expose the unbelief in your heart and work through that, but I'm saying the exposing of the unbelief should always lead to a place of union. It should always lead to an upgrade in the way that you see yourself. It's not a place you stay for 10 years beating yourself up about it. It's a thing that it's a process that, that of repentance that brings you to a greater manifestation of you as a son of God, as you as someone who's living in union with God. So I am preaching good. I, I tell you, I, I'm, I, I don't mean, I, I can feel it. I can feel faith rising up in you uh, because God has called you to do something that you can't do. I'm going to say this. God has called you to do something you can't afford. God is going to call you to do something that is impossible he, because no flesh is going to glory. This is not about human effort and human strength and accolades because you've got 15 degrees and you're so smart, you know how to make money and, and you're so intelligent that you're, you know, got a doctorate in front of your name or whatever. That is not what the kingdom of God is about. The kingdom of God is about him using the foolish things to confound the wise. It's about the least of these. It's about God coming and doing what through grace what human effort could never accomplish. It's, it's about favor that you cannot earn. Favor is not something that you get because you did it, you followed the rules. Favor is something you get because you just happen to be daddy's kid. And he, he made you in his image and he dreamed you up and he actually likes you because you were his idea in the first place. And it's not about all of that. And I'll tell you, if we'll get our hands off if we'll get our hands off and just let go of our agendas. I'll tell you, this is a, a way of, it's becoming a way of life for me. And it is so fun 
what I'm telling you is not sad. This is not grievous. This is not a mourning, a correction message. Like we all got to go home and, you know, you know, give ourselves, you know, 20 lashes because we've been doing it wrong. This is the most exciting news I could be telling anyone because what it means is that all we really have to do is stop. I mean, all I'm learning to do is be like, oh God, you're a gender. I'm going to take my hands off. I'm not going to have control over this. I'm not going to do this. And, and you'll, it, it is so fun to let daddy put things together. It is so fun to let the father do the work. I tell you, that's when the blind eyes get open. That's when the mats get, you know, put away because <laughs> somebody's walking and they don't need to sit in it anymore. That's when, you know, the bread starts multiplying and your bank accounts start filling up and people start giving you checks and, and the doctor comes back and says, I don't know how this happened, but you have a perfectly good health report. I mean, that is how the kingdom of God invades this planet. It's because the father is using us as his vessels. He's using us as his conduits. He's, he's just doing work through us. So we need to get ourselves out of the being good business. We need to get ourselves out of the being bad business. We need to get ourselves into the being in the vine business and recognizing that this is this our relationship with good and bad is a relationship with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we don't need to eat that fruit anymore because we have been grafted in the vine and that's the tree of life, sisters and brothers. We have been grounded into the guy that says, I am the life. We are in life. We are in the life. We are in the resurrection. We are in the life. We are in. We are in, guys. We are, we're in. We got the inside, you know, seat. We got the VIP access. And there's, you're not going to get any closer when you get it together. You're not going to get further because you screwed it up. This is not based on you. It is based on what Jesus Christ has finished on the cross. And he's not going to go back and get crucified when you screw it up again. Right? He's not going to go back and nail himself back up there. Or he's not going to fall off the throne. He's not going to have to, you know, he, we're not going to have to pay penance, you know, say our rosary, go to confession. We don't have to do that. Because Jesus has died once. Has died once for all. Once for all. I'll tell you, if you really want to get blasted, there's some awesome scriptures in Hebrews that just talk about the fact that Jesus is not like the sacrifice Jesus made is not like the blood of bulls and goats. It's not like the, you know, the priests in the Old Testament where every time you miss it, you got to go, you know, make atonement and sacrifice the bull and the sheep and you got to keep doing it over and over and over and over and over and over again because you can never get it right. It says Jesus went into the Holy of Holies one time and he sprinkled his blood, his blood, his blood on the mercy seat. And it says that even the blood of Jesus, that it is so powerful, it will purge your conscience from every dead work. That the, the blood of Jesus will come and knock that condemnation right out of your head. So if you are, you know, there's a little exercise we do in Emerge that I, you know, if you're struggling with condemnation and guilt, you know, the blood of Jesus will set you free. Because it is a picture. It is a picture of, not just a picture, it's, it's a substance. Like it actually, Jesus actually gave his blood for humanity. And if you are a human being, that means you too. If you are fallen, that means you too. If that if you are not perfect, that means you too. So it's it's it he cleansed all of mankind. He undid the curse and he did it once. It was one death. He tasted death for all men. He he has done his job well. He completed it. And and us constantly having this relationship 
with the tree of knowledge of evil, with the separated self that is truly not even alive. It's been crucified. The only place this bad you lives is in your head. The only place this good you lives in the head is in your head. Because when dad looks at you, he doesn't, he looks at you through, you know, got to get through Jesus to find you. He's got to dig inside of Jesus and say, where are you hiding? You're hidden in Christ. Where are you in there? We have one hide and seek. Where are you? So he doesn't just see you like Jesus. He sees you as Jesus. As Jesus is, so are you in this world. Man, I mean, gosh, that's a scripture worth meditating for like 20 years. As Jesus Christ is, so are you in this world. And so I want to encourage you that you, you are great. You are perfect. You are without blame. Without blame. You, I get it. It doesn't mean that you are manifesting perfection in your behavior. It doesn't mean that you're doing it, following all the rules and checking all the, you know, I, dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's and checking all the boxes. It means that God did something to you through the new birth. He has done something to you. You can't see it. It's invisible. I get sometimes it gets tricky to believe it. But you are a new creation. You are a new creation. You are a brand new species of being. And you have been made alive in the vine. And if you want this to be a year of manifestation, if you want this to be the best year of your life, I mean, you will major on what I'm teaching you tonight, which is that there is no you apart from Christ. And that you will, you will practice your union. You will, pra- you will get an experience of your union. And I'll tell you, I mean, I'm not trying to do a commercial for Emerge, but I am going to do a commercial for Emerge because if God's calling you to do this and you're tired of it, there is no other planet, another program on the planet that is truly designed to have you get you into an experiential relationship with the Trinity where you are hearing him on demand and you are clear about the most important questions you can ever ask and answer. And I am assigned to the body of Christ unapologetically, so I'm not going to stop talking about it because I want, it is my job to, to put the body of Christ in union with God experientially. And it is my job to get people in the place where they are fulfilling their highest calling and they are doing that through letting the Father do the work through them. This is toil-free living. The only labor we've got at this point is just a labor to get back into believing that we're one with God. (laughs) That's the only labor we've got. And so I just want to bless you tonight with a revelation of who you are. And I want to bless you with confidence that you, you can hear God because you're inside of God. And if you need help, you know what? You can't think about, this is one of the things God said in that prophetic word too, you can't think about being separated from God and being in union with God at the same time. You can only think one or the other. So if you're really struggling with this, I mean, meditate on the reality that you are one with Jesus. What does that look like? What does that, what does that experientially look like? And then when you're there from that place, let me tell you, it's not hard to hear God because you start to disappear. You start to meld and melt into the Lord. And you become jancy. And now, you know, it's like, is it you talking, Jesus talking? I don't know. I just got thoughts in my head, and we're abiding, and this is awesome. And what do you think? I don't know. What do you think? You know, you're just writing it all down. And it's a way of living, and it's available to all of us. There's no super saints in Daddy's house. There's no, like, anointed and unanointed. 
There's just simply experienced and unexperienced. Okay, you're not going for some special portion. You're waking up to the one who is your portion. It's a person. I mean, what do you guys? You can't. What are you going to divide him up? We're going to get a you know a portion of the Holy Spirit. Well, that sounds like you know mutilation of some kind. You didn't chop off his arm and put it. Give it here. You can have the arm of the Holy Spirit. No, he. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, the anointing is the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's a person. It's a person. It's, it's the presence of the Holy Spirit. I mean, a person, a person's presence. You can't have the presence without the person. It doesn't even make sense. Pre- the presence is a person. It's the presence of a person. <laughs> That's just getting me whacked just saying it. It's the presence of a person. And that person is alive in you. That person is dwelling in you. That person is can consume you just by you believing it. So I just release you into that experiential place of union, into that experiential place of hearing him, and to the place that if you're called to, to, to do Emerge, well, you know what? You'll contact us. You'll contact us at info at shalice.com. We just had someone sign up last week from the podcast. So people are hearing this and knowing God is speaking to them. So if that's you, you know what? Reach out, info at shalice.com. And I also really encourage you to partner, partner, partner with the ministry, partner with this podcast. Every donation is a, is, is a part of you uh, agreeing with these messages and helping God uh, market this and get it out to a wider and wider audience. And we've got listeners, you know, in New Zealand. I talked to someone last week, Scotland, uh, the Netherlands. I mean, we've got people listening from all over the globe. And it's amazing to me how the Holy Spirit is connecting people. I, I'm amazed. Just amazed. And then the other thing, support us, you know, partner with your financial gifts, going over to Shalice.com and partner. But more than that even, partner with your prayers. Pray for us. Pray for this message. Pray for the school because this is an incredible, incredible thing that God is doing here in this little town, Woodland Park, Colorado, and this incredible uh, school and the things that he's birthed. And so I just um, I just bless you with an amazing uh, rest of your week and an amazing experiential upgrade with uh, your union with the Lord. And I just declare that he's got an instruction for you, that, that, that you're not confused, you know what's next. And I just bless you with that, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.